Listener Production. Let me be honest. I wasn't sure what to expect when I sat down for this conversation with online fitness entrepreneur and influencer Kayla at Cenas. Like every kid of the Australia's next top model generation, I have struggled with how I feel about my body and I've watched the pain and the trauma of loved ones who experienced eating disorders. So fitness brands like Kayla's formerly named Bikini Body Guide that promote exercise as a path to weight loss and offer low-calorie eating plans make me really uncomfortable. While Itzinas has renamed her app, it's now called Sweat, and has changed her tone in recent years, I went into the interview determined to hold her to account. And then it didn't quite happen. Because when I met Kayla, I was introduced to a mum still in the grips of the newborn phase. Someone who was overwhelmed but determined. Someone who is admittedly really well supported, but still doing that high wire act of new mum juggling. A mum who, probably more than most, is feeling the pressure for her body to bounce back and is perhaps shifting her approach since discovering her own vulnerabilities. My name is Jamila Rizvi and welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Up next, The Weekend List, where Helen Smith and I recommend what to watch, see, eat, do and listen to this weekend. But first, here is my conversation with Kayla at Cenas. Kayla at Cenas, welcome to The Weekend Briefing. Thank you so much. It is a thrill to have you here and I am so hopeful to take a moment for a bunch of people who are familiar with you talking them through their exercise each day to go a bit deeper into who you are and what your life's like. Tell me about what kind of kid you were. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, oh, it's going to get good, everybody. It's funny because we literally had, I had this conversation with my mum yesterday. She's because like, I said, Anna does not, my daughter, I was like, Anna does not stop talking like her mouth from the second she wakes up to the second she goes to sleep. She goes, Kayla, she is a clone, not like physically. She doesn't look anything like you, but she is a, you are the same human. She goes, you didn't stop talking. You had an answer for everything. You were always right. You always want to be the boss of everyone. Like whenever we played, like you played with your cousin, you were always the teacher. You're always the leader. Like if you weren't the teacher or the leader, you didn't want to play. She's like, this is the same. So this is like the kind of kid I was when it came to like, I guess school, I just had this like thing that I used to say, obviously remembering there was no social media. So there's no Instagram, TikTok or anything like that. I was like, I just want to do something to do with fitness. And like women's sport wasn't huge. So my mum was like, you know, my mum, my, both my parents were kind of concerned. They're like, look, this isn't like a career you should be really going down because it's not sustainable. It's not maintainable. Um, so when I, when it came to school, I wasn't really that great. I just wanted to do sports stuff and nothing else really mattered to me. I find that interesting that you say you like to tell people what to do and you liked being in charge because when I think about being at a, like the old school exercise class at the gym that we all used to go to, some of us still do. I feel like most of us are using our phone now, but it's part of it is right. Like the, the person who's out the front shouting out what you're supposed to do is the boss. They're very much the person you're listening to. Yeah, that was me. That was me. I've always been like that. So this was like a perfect job for me. Out of school, I did a uh, basketball coaching, which I loved. I coached like kids sport. And then I moved naturally into personal training from there. I actually went to university. I studied um, 
teaching because I wanted to be a physical education teacher. Um, I dropped out after a year because my personal training really took off. Well, in my eyes, it took off. Yeah, I just never went back. I said to my parents, I'll go back, I'll go back. I'm just going to take a gap year. I never went back. So tell me about what taking off looked like for you then when you dropped out of uni. What did personal training, what was it giving you and what did that career look like? Okay, look, really honestly, I I grew up with not much. I grew up with a lot of love. So where like where I was like rich in was love. Um, where I wasn't rich in was um, wealth, uh, money. So when I thought I was doing well, I had a studio, and I'm doing in quotes, um, in my parents' backyard where I would bring people to train on the grass. Wow. It was $10. Well, it was actually a dollar a minute. So if you were there for 30 minutes, I would charge you $30. But if you brought a friend, you could halve it. So it was $15 per person. If you brought three friends, obviously it's $10 and it got cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. I just wanted the $30 for 30 minutes and I was killing it in my eyes. <laughs> Love it. I, I'm, I'm waiting for like the entrepreneurial person that comes along with 50 mates and is like, hi, we're going to pay 30 bucks. You're going to teach all of us. I was doing one-on-one sessions and I really did want this sort of like sense of community. So I started like bringing, you know, more and more, um, I was like younger girls at the time into their sessions. So I sort of built this like huge client base from just doing this like cheap, I guess, um, sessions in my parents' backyard. And then my dad was like, built me a shed. So like in the backyard, he built a shed. So then I could train my clients in the shed in the backyard. It just grew and grew and grew. And then I started doing boot camps at the beach and yeah. And then I released obviously BBG, which was a very famous guide that went viral. Um, it was 28 minute workouts that anyone could do. It was insane. It was great. I mean, there's a real entrepreneurial spirit in there, right? There's the joy of working with people around their health and fitness. And then there's wanting to go and reach people at a really big scale. And that's what apps and programs like that are going to do for you. Where do you think that comes from for you, that drive to push it to that next big entrepreneurial level? Because there's a real risk-taking element to that. Yeah, I think the biggest risk was moving from the model that we had, which was the BBG PDF, to the subscription model, which was the app. So that was like a huge leap and not many people had done that. In fact, I don't think anyone was um, charging $3 a week uh, for an app, a fitness app. So we were one of the first movers in that. Running the business with Toby, who's my ex, he had this sort of like very good like business brain mentality where it came to really good with like numbers and um I was more the community base so I was the the face of the brand the sense of family the, the the building of the community that's all I wanted all I want and the problem is with me is like I will do things for free like and that was my fault because I go out of my way and I'll kill myself to help a complete stranger and I think that's where um why the business still continued to do so well, but did so well at this time because I did so much. I went so far and beyond for complete strangers because I just wanted them to feel what I felt, which was this sense of family and love. So that's where like my side of the business came from. I think the bet was placed on me that this this human would get up every single day and, and kill themselves uh, day after day to make other people happy. I mean, call me a people pleaser, but like, it wasn't even that. It was just that I wanted people to feel good. And like, I saw a better side to everyone. Like I could look at someone and be like, I can make you better. I can help because they weren't confident and they weren't strong internally and externally. And I just wanted that for them so badly to the point that I would just do anything for it. I don't know why. 
Hey, it's a nice quality. Some psychologist has listened to this being like, this is to do with this, but I just don't know. I had a really really great upbringing and I just wanted the same for everyone else. Lucky for you, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't, I can't, I can't figure it out for you. Um, What do you think was different about not just the delivery mechanism, but the content that you were providing? Because you know, clearly something clicked with people, right? Clearly there was success there that didn't come to others. What do you think it was about the workouts, you, the presentation? What what made it work for so many people? Well, a touchy subject in 2023, but it was the fact that we cut out half the market. So we cut out men. Yeah. We only catered to women. Um, so it was a women's only business and it was something that pe- some people were doing it. There were women's only gyms, but they were very, I would call them like a stereotypical. If you were to say the word girly or mm. like female mm. exercises, like um, back in the day, people would say, you know, put a bunch of women's on like a machine and, and get them to circle around in a circle and call out next. It was like that sort of vibe. Whereas yeah. um, I came along and I taught women to, be confident in the gym, lift weights, like um, do high intensity exercises whilst also cutting out the market. And and for some, um, for women that made them feel really comfortable, for some religions it made them feel even more comfortable. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it was just this this group of women that wanted other women to do well and that's why it did so well. And also they, they could see me. I'm this little Greek girl from Adelaide. Like I didn't grow up in like Hollywood. I grew up in like Australia in a Greek family, like, they could tell that I just wanted them to feel. Yeah, it felt authentic maybe. Yeah. I feel like this is a space where things have accelerated really, really fast. Even to hear you talk about the fact that 10 years ago no one was doing this in an app, that when you went from PDF workouts to an, a paid app version, that was unusual, that was new, that was the first kind of thing. That feels almost laughable when I hear that 10 years on because it feels like that's everywhere. And it speaks, I think, to the pace of change in, 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 in this area. Do you think there's been a, a pace of change in the way we talk about health and fitness in the same way especially for women a hundred percent people who are like right now um like say 25 um that are listening to this and under 10 years ago 12 years ago I'm gonna say 12 years ago because that's like sort of what I remember it was only we only looked at celebrities for their fitness and workout programs there was Mm. no Instagram there was no TikTok there was no like nothing Facebook was new as well um, we, so we wanted celebrity workout plans. We wanted diet pills fast, lose weight fast, 10 kilos in one week. Like it was all these slogans that people actually believed. If you saw right now, if anyone saw right now, lose 10 kilos in one week, you'd be like, shut up, shut up. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? But, but people actually believe this stuff. There was no sports clothes. Women's sports clothes were on the top floor of like, you had to like try and get to women's sports clothes. It was all dominated by men, men's clothes. Yeah. At the gym, you had to like, there was no like cool brands. There was no like aloe yoga, Lululemon. There's none of that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Lorna Jane. I remember Lorna Jane had a dark blue set and they had just opened up a store and people were buying Lorna Jane stuff. Otherwise you wear your boyfriend's T-shirt to the gym. And if you said you were going to the gym, there was always something wrong. There was never like no one wanted to go to the gym to like get fit, like have muscles. Like that wasn't for women. Like people, are like, I'm going to the gym. It's like, oh, what's wrong? Like, why are you going to the gym? Like, yeah, the treadmills were for women. The weight sections was for men. Yeah, absolutely. I I even remember as like a, I think it would have been like 19 or so, going going to a gym outside of school for the first time, and 
like it was there was just sort of like it was the boys area and the girls area it felt like I was just back at high school like it was yeah and it was the the men's like weight room the guys room like you'd call it the guys room and then the cardio section would be for women the treadmills and the ellipticals the bikes like it's so tragic to think that that was a reality and we thought that that was normal has your own thinking about how we talk about fitness, weight loss, food changed over the same period? No. So, like, I, this is the thing with me, uh, and all my friends know, like, they know Kayla will never help you with a diet. Like, I would, I have never been on a diet, nor do I recommend a diet to people when you cut out certain food groups. So I've always consistently been the same. I said that if my yaya, which means grandma in Greek, if my yaya offers me food, I'm saying yes. I don't care what it is because I'm, I don't have my grandparents around forever. So if they're going to give me cakes and they're going to give me coffee and they're going to give me whatever else they've made for the day, I'm saying yes. I'm not questioning whether I should eat pasta or not. And that's what I've been saying for the last 10 years. Don't do that. Training, I've always tried to teach women they can do way more than they think they can do. So it was always this thing. So I used to have this thing, which my um, PA who used to train with me is sitting next to me. She knows she's going to laugh because I used to have punishment for saying I can't. So if you said I can't, you had to do five burpees. Like it was just like a thing because I was like, I hate this. I hate that you say I can't. Say yeah. that like, you can't do it right. Like I'm struggling with this right now, but eventually I'll be able to do it. Like change the way that you speak. So I've always had this for the last 12 years and this is why I've done so well because I've stuck to this. And, I've, and I've, copped, I've copped it for it as well because you've obviously you've got to release. Like when people want, we had, a, we had an eating program, like we have an eating you know, guide, we had a, a training guide, but these are just guides and they have to fit with the Australian guidelines to healthy eating So when you're a big business. So like you're trying to give out this information, but it's also got to fit the Australian guidelines, but the Australian guidelines is even more behind than what we already were. It was just a nightmare. Well, I hear you say that and that sounds to me exactly what we want, right? We want to be teaching anyone who's interested in moving their body that that is a great thing and making sure you move your body every day is awesome and that it's going to make you feel better in a whole bunch of different ways. How do we shift an industry that is still talking about how we look and has come a long way, I think, and I want to accept that, I recognise I do think the, the fitness industry has come a long way, but at the same time sometimes I worry that we are now using fitness, health, wellness as almost like a proxy for what was diet culture. It's, it's, it's almost like it's a covert way rather than an overt way of talking about weight loss. But often it feels to me like companies are really just talking about the same thing. Is that fair? With the rise of things like TikTok, the ability to have Instagram stories, the ability to give a voice to a person that you might never have heard before, there is a, a rise in education and storytelling um, around diet, exercise, where people are now becoming more educated in what they're listening to and are able to form their own opinions rather mm. than the media pushing what they, their agenda and what they want you to see. Um, and I think this is why TikTok is getting in so much trouble and there's so much heat around it because there are people that have never been heard before that are now getting millions and millions of views and getting to tell their story. So I do think, yes, you are right in a way, but we're also moving very fast in another direction, which is education um, and, and allowing people to form their own opinions on things, which I love. Mm. A lot of uh, messaging, especially to women around working out and 
fueling your body, but also around health and weight loss are, are around these kind of big events in life, right? Uh, they're around weddings uh, and often around pregnancy and having kids. Have you found that becoming a mum has changed the way you start to uh, approach your work as well? Becoming a mum has made me, um, instead of saying I have to work out, it's I get to work out. And yeah. Like you appreciate that. Like yesterday I had Auntie Mary looking after Jax and I had Anna at daycare and I walked into the, for the first time I walked into my uh, gym, my public gym. And I was like, wow, I'm in a gym. Like I get to work, (laughs) I get an hour right now. I can do whatever I want. Like this is really exciting. So you appreciate as a mum, as a parent, doesn't matter, mum or dad, you really appreciate that time that you get with your body. It also changes your body, right? Like, you know, I think for it's not the same for everyone, but for I think for a lot of uh, people who carry children, there is that because it often happens when you're younger before you're experiencing other big changes with your body that come with getting older or being unwell. For a lot of people, that's their first experience with like a massive shift in the way their body works. And you go from being this kid who's just like, oh, this is my body, this is my body does the same thing every day. It's not hard to suddenly feeling like, oh, there are, there are new limits or there are new um, things feel different. They look different. They work differently. Did you find that as someone who has always been in the space of thinking about how bodies work, did you find that interesting or did you find that alarming? Like what was the first emotional reaction? For the people who are listening that don't know, I have a daughter who's four years old, Anna, and then I have Jax who is four months old. Now with Anna, it was shock, horror. I was like, my career is over. I have no idea. I remember writing like a diary entry into my notes on my phone because I was like, I have to remember this. And I just, I remember it vividly saying, when am I going to be normal? Yeah. Things got so hard that were not meant to be hard. Getting out of bed. I had a cesarean, so I had my, like, literally my stomach cut open. If you see the video, it's like you cannot even, it doesn't register how badly you are cut open and how wide yeah. they have to. Anyway, so I, things like sitting up, walking, like picking things up. I couldn't do any of that anymore. It was like completely debilitating. And I had, it was like, there was no end to it. It was like three months later. And I was like, I can not sit myself out of bed. What is going on with Jax? It was almost second time around. It was almost laughable. I'm like, it's okay. Like I got this, like, haha, I can't sit out of bed. Like Jay needs to help me out of bed. Like, like, I, I like explaining to Jay, like, you know, I'll be able to walk again next week. Like I'll be able to pick that up like in two weeks time. So second time around way easier. First time, If you are a first-time parent, like, it does get better and it does get easier, but when you're in it, you're like, this is insane. Yeah. Because you have to worry about not only yourself, you can't get out of bed, but then you have to go get your crying child. Like, if you're breastfeeding, you're stuck with them. Like, you cannot leave the house. Like, if they have colic or reflux, like, both my kids had colic and reflux. So you don't want to take them anywhere. They're screaming. Like, just, you're just trapped. I remember even being pregnant and the first time that I, I just something was on a shelf that was slightly too high for me. And so I just, I just jumped to get it and like had that pull feeling and was just like, Oh my God, I was so distressed. I was so distressed by it. And I remember, um, you know, being in awe of friends who had that reaction to pregnancy of look at my incredible body and what it can do. And I was like, look at all this stuff. I can't do anymore. (laughs) I was so frustrated by it. If you train prior to, if you train prior to pregnancy, it is a big, it is a big shock. Um, Speaking of like change though, 
one of the biggest things that I noticed now that we're on the topic of pregnancy is training through your pregnancy. Mm. And that's been a massive shift as well. I remember the comments that I received with Anna were so horrible from uneducated people like, oh, doing squats, your baby's going to fall out of you and die. Like it was so, just, like it was full on. Like, yeah, right. Now it's like more um, applauded. It's more um, respected to train while you're pregnant. Exercise. I won't say train. I'll say exercise while you're pregnant and keep your body moving and keep active. People understand it more. Yeah. So I love that there's a huge shift in that. I, and I think that shifts happen not just around pregnancy. It's happened around illness as well. I'm a brain tumor patient and I remember being shocked how quickly they were like after a surgery being like, the next day, up you get, let's go. We've got to walk around. And being like, uh, did, are you, did you guys forget I had, a, I had brain surgery <laughs> Like, I'm not doing anything. But the insistence and the, the knowledge of um, doctors now knowing that not over-the-top movement but starting to move your body um, within reasonable limits in a moderate way and that includes weight-bearing and that includes cardio is really, like, it's actually really important for you and important for your health and important for your healing. Shows how much um, just that knowledge and education shifted in a short period for you because, as you said, Anna's just turned four, I think you were saying. Four, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jax is uh, younger, really. He's still a little bub. How have you been settling into second time around? Has it? I cannot possibly believe that all of second time around is a laugh because you've done it before. You still don't get any sleep. Yeah, no, you know what? Like the thing is, and I've said this so many times and I want to make sure that everyone hears this, that I hate, my pet peeve is how much people lie, like celebrities and influencers lie about how much help that they have. Like they're like, yeah, you know what? Like I look so put together and I'm doing this podcast today. Like there are so many people in my house right now, like you wouldn't even be able to count. So my family (laughs) lives on this street. Right. And I am in I am in the one percent. Not only am I in the one percent of just life, but I'm just in the one percent of the fact that I have everyone within everyone, including Jay's family, within 35 seconds of me. The whole street is my family. So like if I need someone to like if I am having the worst night's sleep, there's Jay's mom. There's my mom. There's my sister. There's my PA Enza, who's also my friend sitting next to me. Like there's everyone. I have so much help. So I'm not I'm not in a position to complain about sleep or lack of time to do things like so this time around it really has been just me smiling. Jax has had colic and reflux. If you're a person who can't handle the screaming, but I'm fine. I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's fine, it will stop. Like I'm very cool, calm and collected because I have so much help. Now, if I did not have help, that's when you just want to crawl in a ball and scream. There is a, it's, the scale is so far apart from having help to no help at all. No help at all, I wouldn't even be doing this podcast. Like I would not have the time, the energy, the want, the anything. I would just be like, no, I just want to sleep. Just leave me alone. You reflected earlier about that 2000s kind of culture around lose 10 kilos in a week and lose weight very fast kind of uh, messaging uh, to try and get people in quickly. Sometimes I think that kind of bounce back after pregnancy stuff is, you know, it's just a different version of the same awful thing. How are you talking to your audience and how do you talk to yourself about what your body is going to do postpartum? 
So I did a big post on the fact that one, like I was very clear again, one, I have lots of help. So like the points to, to the post was one, I have lots of help. Two, I'm genetically a smaller human. So I will, uh, when you look at my recovery, please don't look at it as the fact that I even even exercising. The fact that I'm just a small person will put me in a category of like a fast bounce back. And I say this in quotations, like with my little fingers. And also the fact that this is my job. I'm a personal trainer and my job is to create programs. Mm. If you need advice for training, fitness, like postpartum, please listen to me, but don't look at my body and think, why is she in the position that she's in? Um, Because it only is because I have help. This is my job. Like you guys don't get paid to go to the gym and train. I do. Does that make sense? Yeah, it sure does. It sure does. I want to close with the fact that life looks very different for you from when you first went from PDFs to apps, right? With this, with, uh, with your fitness empire, not an empire then, an empire now. <laughs> it would look different in so many different ways. Firstly, you're a parent, but also you talked about kind of growing up with a lot of love and not necessarily a lot of money. That's a big adjustment. The idea of becoming someone who is really financially successful. Yeah. How do you kind of make sense of that in your head? I, the first thing that I did when I got the first tiny bit of money that I, I paid off my parents' house. And then after that, I bought my mum a car. Um, I bought my dad a car. My grandparents saw me in the Greek newspaper. And um, <laughs> then my grandma literally was happy with just sending me like items of clothing from her favourite clothing store, which was like nice woolen tops and like slippers. And I would buy them for her. And that's where my happiness came from, making my family happy. I, I'm happy money gives me uh, freedom, but it also like, it all went back to the business as well. Like you guys know, like you, as soon as you, as money comes in, it goes straight back into the business. Um, so I don't really care. Like, I just don't really like, I'm not about that life. Like give me like, put me in a Greek village and I'll be happy. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's an adjustment, but I still have all the love. Look at what I just said. Everyone lives on our street. That sounds divine. And I've got to say, I think you are, uh, now one of many who on the weekend briefing has talked about, their first time in the local cultural newspaper and the joy of their grandparents. I remember Ryan Shelton not too long ago talking about his grandparents cutting him out of the Jewish news. Uh, Brings me uh, enormous pleasure to know that so many of our famous guests are making their grandparents so damn proud uh, with perhaps smaller parts of their career, not the bigger parts. Kayla, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Thanks for being my guest. Thank you. That's it for my chat with Kayla Itzinas. Whew. That's an interesting one. I am so keen to hear what you think. There were moments I felt like I really learned a lot about Kayla and and who she is and where she's come from in that chat and a few times where I still felt frustrated by the approach that she's taken to exercise and weight loss in the past and felt like maybe I wasn't getting all the answers. Don't go away, though, because The Weekend List is coming up next. It is weekend list time. Helen Smith is here and she has been scouring the internet, the airwaves, the kitchen, the everything, folks, for recommendations for you. Helen, what have you got? Yeah, so this week I have... 
the Sydney Comedy Festival that is wrapping up this weekend. So if you're listening to this now, you literally have this weekend and definitely go check out some shows. I saw Lizzie Who last weekend and she was amazing and we also just had her on the podcast. So you can listen to Lizzie Who, go get some comedy into you. It was the best. It's just so fun and just great to have a laugh. So that was my recommendation. I am so jealous because I couldn't go and see Lizzie Who alongside you. If you can get along to see her, you absolutely should. If you can't get along to see her, and even if you can, you should go listen to my interview on the Weekend Briefing with Lizzie Who. You can find that back in the podcast feed. Uh, From comedy to actually, weirdly, some kind of comedy. I dived into The Diplomat on Netflix uh, the other day and It stars Kerry Russell. You will remember Kerry Russell from Felicity and also, if you're really, really old like me, or you will remember her from The Americans. Oh, the woman can honestly do no wrong. The show is an interesting one. It has some elements of kind of international twists and turns. There's there's an element of it feeling a bit like like a thriller. It is about foreign service officers and it's based on the premise that the highly prized London ambassadorship should be given to a young career diplomat rather than some, you know, wealthy former politician or someone. And We have this American, Kerry Russell, who has been a lifetime diplomat, arriving with her husband in the United Kingdom. And you guys, I didn't know diplomats were so good looking. I... I'm not sure they actually are, but certainly on this show they are. There's a lot of sex. There's a lot of intrigue. There's a lot of good times. There's a lot of nudity. Uh... I don't know. It's a weird combination of things because there's the thriller bit. It's quite funny and dry at points and they play pretty fast and loose with their relationships at other points. I feel like it is the kind of show that everyone will enjoy. Someone is luring a strike force into the Persian Gulf. The president is sending you to stop a war before it starts. Not butter a crumpet. Welcome to London, Ambassador Wilder. Tell me how. I'm the ambassador's wife. My husband was an ambassador for a long time. This will be an adjustment. You need to lean into the Cinderella thing. Not doing this the way you would. That's fine. Just don't do it wrong. That sounds so good. (laughs) You're so funny. So my second recommendation are carrot chips. So Mm -hmm. I love hot chips. Love hot chips. But I eat a lot of hot chips. So I've been trying to implement some healthier options for my hot chip addiction. And I've made carrot hot chips in the air fryer. You can do them in the oven too, but I'm just like, I love my air fryer. And you just chop them up like normal chips. Put a, I put like sweet potato as well in there and a bunch of other things, but put them in, cook them up in the air fryer and you've got hot chips, but they're carrots and they're so good. And I've just been obsessed with them all week and we're going into winter. So we need warm, yummy food. So yeah, carrot hot chips are my new favorite thing. I am always surprised and delighted by what Helen recommends, but carrot chips were not on my expectations list when I sat down to record today. But I, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I feel like they'd be interesting because they'd be like sweet and salty. I don't know if I would be into it or not. I will only know if I try. Folks, I'm also recommending food. Helen and I were discussing off mic the fact that we recommend a whole lot of food. I hope that is helping you, folks. I hope you are eating well. I want to recommend a recipe from ambitiouskitchen.com. But don't worry, It's not wildly ambitious or particularly difficult. These are brown butter tahini cookies dipped in sesame seeds and chocolate. They're so ridiculously delicious. And if you're thinking, hold on, surely she's recommended some kind of chocolate biscuit before, I probably have. 
I love biscuits. I love cookies. And I am continually on the search for myself and all of you for the best biscuit ever. This one, I reckon it gets close, folks. It is so delicious. The tahini gives it this sort of nuttiness and burnt butter is honestly one of the best flavours in the world. We should burn all our butter. They're not crunchy cookies. They're quite soft. Uh, But the addition of like a coating of dark chocolate on the outside plus some sesame, I mean, absolute perfection. Going to be crowd pleasers, feel a little bit grown up and a little bit pretty, could serve them at a dinner party, but also small children, not going to turn their noses up at them. I think you can't do better when it comes to a biscuit. Folks, that's it for the weekend briefing and for the weekend list. Thank you so much for being with us. If you want to check us out again, or you want to listen to the briefing podcast more regularly, which you should, the best way to do that is to download the listener app and you can follow us there. Or you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Just click follow or subscribe. So you make sure we're dropping into your feed every week and you will never miss an episode. If you want to leave us a sneaky rating and a review, nice ones, please. Nice ones. Five stars only. Generous, kind words only. Uh, We would love that. It would absolutely make our day. We will be back with you where the briefing team will have the latest headlines straight to your headphones bright and early on Monday morning. Stay safe, everyone. Listener.